Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're listening to the Broadway Hat Podcast with your host, Kyle Hall, the number one podcast for all things Rangers hockey. Welcome back to the Broadway Hat Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hall. What a week for the Rangers. They hired Jarek Alant, and it seems like every Ranger fan is just super pumped about this move. I know I am. They are introducing him, I believe, Tuesday afternoon, so the show will be out um, after his introductory uh, press conference. I posted a poll on Twitter this last week just asking Ranger fans, are you happy? Simple, yes or no, with the hire. 92.6% of the 122 votes we got back said yes. And I'm, you know, I, I am surprised it's 92%. I think it's extremely high. But then again... When you look at the other candidates, I guess, you know, the final, you know, seven, whatever percent were Torts fans or you, you kind of knew when the Rangers made the move that Brendan Moore was not going to go on the move. And I, I think it was the next morning Carolina announced they did agree to an extent to Rob Brendan Moore. So I think the Rangers knew that uh, before they offered Glant to the position. And I mean, you also didn't want to lose him on the market because uh, he was the top coach on the market right now. So. I, I, I'm pumped. It, it seems like he had an interview this weekend just saying how excited he was with the Rangers, talking about some of the guys on the team. Uh, he touched on Braden Schneider, who, again, I talked to him about with him about uh, at the World Championships. I think that kid has got an outside chance, like a good chance of making the team this year. He has a really strong training camp. I think a lot. I mean, he just keeps on saying how big and tough he is and uh, how great he is as a kid. So I can see him, out of all the young guys, having a little bit of a leg up uh, having played for him and having Galan seen him uh, in action against, you know, some of the better players in, in the, I guess, European game at the World Championships. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on as we go in. And the Rangers haven't announced anything about rookie camps. I've talked to a couple of the guys uh, who are rookies, and they said they haven't heard anything yet. So um, nothing's really scheduled. I think they're kind of just, you know, waiting to see what happens with COVID and everything. But another interesting thing that came out is Galant talking about some coaching uh, he has not announced his coaching staff yet, but there is a rumor that Dan Girardi could be one of the candidates to be an assistant coach on the defensive side. He did be uh, he was with Buffalo this year as a developmental coach, and then he took over as the interim assistant coach when after they fired uh, the head coach up there. And it seemed like you know some good uh, good feedback about his coaching abilities. I know Buffalo turned it around uh, once they did move on from Kruger. They brought in Granado, so maybe Girardi was a big part of that. I think. 
you know, the, they can learn from, you know, a worse person than Dan Girardi. He was a, a very solid defenseman for the Rangers for many years. I know his contract was large at the end and ended up getting bought out. And I think a lot of Ranger fans kind of sour on him towards the end, similar to Mark Stahl. But, I mean, Dan Girardi is as tough as they come, blocked every shot. You know, in his heyday, he was a shutdown defenseman. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he does come back. I was always a fan of Girardi. Uh, I rooted for him when we went to Tampa as well. He just seems like such a nice guy. And I've heard from a couple other guys that he's just like, you know, he's just a generally really good dude. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if Girardi comes back into the fold. And other than that, not too much news for the Rangers this week. Uh, the Eichel saga continues. It seems like Buffalo every day something comes out about the, how they're going to move on from him. New teams get thrown into the mix. This last weekend, the Blackhawks seem like they're the new team that's involved with Kirby Dockch. Uh, seems like that's the guy that Buffalo was targeting with them, apparently. You know, I got uh, a DM the other day from someone who claims that Eichel's been in touch, Eichel's agency's been in touch with the Coyotes and they're a team to watch. Who knows? Uh, and then, like, the Buffalo, I guess a report came out also, I think it was Friday or Saturday, saying, uh, you know, the price is now sky high for him. Just last week, it was, oh, you're not going to give up anything from their punt. Now, all of a sudden, it's sky high. So who knows what to believe anymore? I think a lot of it's Buffalo just trying to, you know, stir up somewhat of an excitement about him to try to get the best deal, which is good for them, you know, whatever they want to do with that. But if I'm the Rangers, I, I'm not giving up a ton for this guy. I, I'm really not. He's an unbelievable player, but that injury scares the crap out of me. And if you give up, three or four of these young guys and Eichel just falls, you know, is just injured for most of his tenure. He's got a huge contract. And I don't know if Chris Drury wants to start off his tenure by taking that on and taking that risk. I don't know. It's a very tricky situation because obviously it's a need for the Rangers. They need, you know, a center depth. You know, I don't know if you keep um, or if you can keep Ryan Strom with the salary. But again, I, I was talking to some Ranger fans this week. I don't think you need to move on from Ryan Strom. I think Ryan Strom's a fantastic second-line centerman, plays great with Panarin. Yes, Eichel's an unbelievable player. But as I've said in the show a couple times, and I've written on Belly Up Sports, is it that big of an upgrade to move these top prospects for? I don't know. I, is it worth it? I don't know. I tell you what, Braden Schneider is most likely not part of that deal, just based off of what I heard from Gallant and him talking about what a solid player he is, blah, blah, blah. I got to think he's a guy that Gallant probably wants around. So you take Schneider off the table, now you're trading either Lundquist or Matthew Roberts in that deal or Zach Jones in that deal. You know, Zach Jones, friend of the program. I like him a lot. I'm rooting for him to stick with the Rangers. Uh, had a very good world championship with Team USA. I think he showed... Uh, a lot of people, you know, what he can do over there on the, on the larger ice. So I think his stock's high right now. Does that mean Buffalo will be interested in him? Probably. Does that mean the Rangers should probably keep him? I hope so. So at least Matthew Robertson, who was just named, you know, all division defensive player of the year in the WHL. Braden Schneider was the all division in the other division and also won the entire league defensive in the year award. So I and mean, that leaves you Matthew Robertson probably the deal, and then you're going to have to give up either a Kratzoff or a Kapokaka. I don't know. I, it's a lot of moving parts here. Prior Ryan Strom or a Philip Heedle going back. I mean, it's a lot of guys. 
And then Eichel's probably not ready until you gotta think December next year, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Cause this, the reports on his neck are just all over the place too. So there's just nothing concrete about this deal. If this was a, a healthy player, a guy who produces the way he does, it's a no brainer. Like, yes, do whatever you want. Mark Shifley is another guy who's on the market. I I like him. I know he had the whole incident in the playoffs and no, I asked Anthony Potato about that because he played up there, and he's like, I don't think that was intentional at all. And I got to believe him. He knows him way better than obviously I do. I've never talked to the guy, never really spoken, and never followed the guy as much as I did the last two years. But he's a guy who's a fantastic offensive player. He has some, you know, some people talk about his defensive ability. He doesn't get back on D as fast as some centermen. That might be true, but he's an unbelievable offensive player. Unbelievable. Big guy. I think he's a guy you maybe target and shift from Eichel. You know, he definitely can play with Panarin, you know, from a skill standpoint. It's just, you know, a lot of people like Barkov. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. It's going to be a very interesting NHL draft. Uh, we're working currently on getting an uh, NHL draft analyst to come on the show. Uh, we have a couple people we've reached out to, so hopefully we'll get a draft analyst on. Because, honestly, there's not too many guys that, that I know in this draft. I know I've been following... A lot of the University of Michigan guys, it seems like we're turning into University of Michigan podcast. I actually just interviewed uh, another University of Michigan alumni this last week with, uh, for an episode coming out soon, a former Ranger. So I'm um, excited to release that in the next coming weeks. So we've had a couple of Michigan guys have so been following them. Obviously, we've been following our boy Eric Ciccolini, who's been playing there. So that's why. So Owen Power looks like he's to be the first overall pick. Matty Berniers, uh, a USA kid who I talked to over the World Championships he seems like he's going to probably go top five, top ten. I mean, I had, yeah, I love him on the Rangers. I don't think he'll fall to 15. This, it, that team's loaded. Loaded with kids. I think uh, the other Hughes kid's going to be there next year. So, I mean, that Michigan team is stacked. And Owen Power says he wants to come back to Michigan, too, which is very interesting. If you're selecting him first overall, uh, you know, a kid who you probably want to see in the NHL next year. If you're Buffalo and you're taking Owen Power, you want to see him in Buffalo. Um, so it be interesting to see how that plays out um, with him wanting to return to college. And, you know, their season got cut short this year because they had a, a positive COVID test. And I said it last week, I think that they would have given uh, UMass a run for the money if they made it to the Final Four against them. But that's very interesting development that he wants to go back to college. You know, maybe that maybe he drops a little bit. Who knows? But yeah, so not much going on this week. We some really good NHL playoffs. Both series are tied at 2-2. We're recording this Sunday night. So we just finished up the Vegas game, overtime goal for Vegas. What a great win for them. And, uh, and talking about Las Vegas, we have this week's guest. It's an awesome guest. A little bit different than we're used to. Not a hockey player, but probably the most famous poker player, poker Hall of Famer of all time. And he is a giant hockey fan, a huge Golden Knights fan. He's our new Golden Knights insider, Mr. Daniel Negreanu. What an awesome guy. He's a guy I've been following for years. I remember back in 2003, I think it was, when ESPN started really carrying the World Series of Poker, and you started to learn about these like guys like him, Chris Moneymaker, and kind of followed him forever because I just liked, uh, and I liked him. He had a great personality, and he's turned into literally the most famous poker player in the world, probably one of the top poker players ever. I mean, you know, when you read things, I saw, uh, I reached out to someone who's a big poker fan, and uh, I was like, you know, how would you compare him to someone in another sport? And they said, 
he's a LeBron James of poker. Basically, you either love him or you hate him, but he's got, I think, six World Series of poker bracelets. He's won millions and millions of dollars, so it's a really cool interview with him. He's also a huge fan of Gerald Gallant, so we talked to him about the Gallant hire. He loves him, so we get some inside scoop on what exactly happened in Vegas. There's a lot of people, and I think this would be great for a lot of Ranger fans who are like, oh, he only lasted three years. Like, why did he, you know, why did he get dumped? Why did he leave? And I think Daniel really gives it a good story here of what happened. And he kind of walks through, and Vegas fans were pissed when he was fired. So, I mean, and he, I mean, he talks so highly of him. So it was a really great interview. I really enjoyed it. It gave me, uh, obviously, I like the hire going into it, but it gave me even more of a jump afterwards of how excited I am about this hire. So, Really great interview, but before we go to the interview, let's send it back to our friend Sean Avery to tell us more about our sponsors over at Magic Hockey. All right, I'd like to make an announcement, okay? The boys at Magic Hockey, okay? What we are doing here, we are putting our stake in the ground. We have arrived, all right? Magic Hockey is bringing the lightest twig to the market without crazy margins like the big brands. I want you to go check out at Magic Hockey on Instagram or magichockey.com for details. Now, I just happen to be on the website right now, okay? We're looking at bulk orders. We got fucking custom hockey sticks, the illusionist, the magician, the goddamn deceptor. We're bringing you NHL quality product at a fraction of the cost, okay? Because we're squeezing out the middleman. We're not greedy. We just want everyone snapping crispy passes, all right? Hitting those one-timers on the nice sweet spot. So depending on your size, your weight, whether you like a stiff stick, a fucking crispy stick, you got the illusionist, which is the low kick point, you got the magician, which is the mid kick point, and then you got the deceptor, which is a little bit of a hybrid kick point, all right? All you gotta do is go to magichockey.com or at Magic Hockey on Instagram. And on behalf of the boys at Magic Hockey, I want to say, get ready. Get ready to be crispy. You fucking tape that stick up. You make sure it's your baby, okay? You put it in the fucking bed at night with you. You get a stick handle and little clinic going on before you jump into the covers. That is your weapon. We are in a war called life. Magic Hockey is here to change the game. Let's go. We have a very special guest today. We usually have hockey players, but now we have one of the most knowledgeable hockey guys to talk to, Mr. Daniel Negreanu, the Poker Hall of Famer, six-time World Series of Poker bracelet winner, basically one of the greatest poker players of all time. Thank you so much for joining us. Should be a blast. I think we're going to talk about some topics that are near and dear to my heart. So, And hockey's one of them, obviously. Yes, yes. First off, you have one of the best nicknames, just in general, Kid Poker. How did you get that nickname? Who gave you that nickname? Well, it really started as simple as it was an email address because, oh, well, it started before that. When I started playing poker in Toronto, uh, I was the youngest by far, right? And everyone called me kid because I was the kid, you know? So I put my name up on the board as kid. They just put me as kid and they just started calling me kid. So I created an email address on Hotmail back in the day, uh, kid poker. And, uh, you know, it just, and from there, it just sort of stuck. And I don't know, I feel like, 
everyone's like, well, aren't you 46 now? Doesn't that, <laughs> like, look, what is Kid Rock? Kid Rock's like, what, 55, 60? He's still Kid yeah, Rock. Yeah, Kid Rock, he's so, still going, yeah. Yeah, I mean, kid at heart. It's like Little Wayne. He's like in his 40s. Yeah. <laughs> so you said growing up in Toronto, you grew up a huge hockey fan. You grew up a huge Leafs fan. So who was your guy growing up? Who was your favorite player growing up? No question about it. Wendell Clark would be that guy. You know, Wendell Clark, he just re- represented like the heart and soul of the team, right? He was a guy that was scoring 30 plus goals, but he was, you know, he was getting in a lot of fights. He, he played rough and, you know, he, he stuck up for his teammates and just had a, a nasty streak to him. And I think ultimately that's what shortened his career, you know, because when you play that style for yeah. that long, you know, it wears on you after a while. It feels like anyone from the age of like, late thirties to early fifties. That's their guy for Toronto. Like he was, he was the guy that everyone wanted to be. Yeah, no question. You know, he preceded guys like Doug Gilmore and Matt Sandin who became sort of the main cogs. And now of course, you know, you look and you see Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner and that crew. But I grew up during the, um, during the Wendell Clark era. Uh, So you are a huge supporter, uh, obviously being in Vegas uh, as one of the world's biggest poker players, you are a huge supporter of the Vegas golden Knights existing as a franchise and coming in you're now considered i think probably the biggest golden knights celebrity fan you're also probably the most knowledgeable fan uh that the knights have which is why i want to talk to you how what's your standing now with the maple leafs because i know you were a diehard toronto fan forever are they still in the picture or is it all vegas golden knights for you now so it's interesting you know as a kid obviously i had bled blue and white which was you know leaf colors right and then the, the organization really started to frustrate me. This is well before the Golden Knights existed with a lot of the moves they were making. They weren't building for the future. They were bringing in, you know, guys like Eric Lindros when he's on his last legs and, you know, just kind of trying to keep it together. And then they traded Tuka Rask and that was it for me. Cause I'm like, this goalie is going to be a superstar and you guys are just trading him away for Andrew Raycroft. Cause he had one okay year as a rookie, What a horrible trade. So I got really disenfranchised with them. Having said that, I think what they've done under Dubas for the most part, you know, has been pretty good. There's still a lot of holes on that team, you know, which I think are somewhat similar to what the Rangers face. And we can get to that later. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, there's still some holes there, but they're an exciting team to watch. They're fun to watch for sure. Um, but unfortunately for them, you know, if they want to have playoff success, they need to build the team in a very different mold than it is now. What'd you think of their latest playoff collapse? I mean, it was, it's, it's like, like what you said. I, I believe they're now... 0 for 8 in their last 8 closeout games. And the last yeah. playoff series they won is 2004. Like, that's hard to fathom, you know, that, that it, you can collapse. And it was clear. You could hear. You could hear the rumblings after game 6 where they were nervous. They're like, you could feel they're going to lose this game 7 because yeah. they just don't have any more confidence. And all the skeletons in the closet from the past were just sort of like rearing their ugly heads again. Was there a part of you before this playoff, I guess, crazy playoff star that you're like, Maybe I'll get a Toronto and Vegas Stanley Cup. I thought that would be the case. I mean, I thought it was at least possible because I thought Toronto was supposed to win, you know, that division. So then, you know, they make the final four if they can get past Edmonton. I actually picked Edmonton, but, um, you know, they had a real shot, you know, this year, the Canadian teams, more so than they would, you know, with the regular divisions. Because I think in the regular divisions, you see the Habs are in the conference final. They wouldn't have been in the playoffs. Yeah, I know. The Rangers had a better record. Yeah, exactly. And you look at the Rangers, they were in the division of death. So I think a lot of people, when they look at that Rangers team and say, well, they missed the playoffs. I'm like, you know what, though? They would have been right on the fringe or likely made the playoffs had, you know, divisions been split as they normally are. So talking about my New York Rangers, we hire your former coach, Gerard Gallant. Big news coming out yesterday. 
I messaged you, how excited am I going to be? And you're like, you're going to love him. So scale of one to 10 as a Ranger fan, how excited should we be about this? I'm going all the way to 10, honestly. Really? If you see what he did in this city in terms of how beloved he was, it was like a sad day in Vegas when the organization decided after a four-game losing streak that they took a guy who took a bunch of misfits, right, who were picked to be the worst hockey team ever all the way to the finals, you know, made the playoffs the next year, was, was, was going to be the coach of the All-Star game, right, for having the best record, mm-hmm. and then they fired him. So it was really, really a sad day. I think a lot of it has to do with just sort of his mentality. And listen, if you're going to hire Gerard Gallant, Expect Gerard Gallant to do things the way he thinks is right. And you sort of have to give him that rope, right? Even though you might disagree somewhat. He's a little bit of an older mold in terms of a coach. You know, he's not going to be like a super analytics driven guy. He's going to put trust in his players. He's going to depend on his players to show up for him. And if they do, you know, they'll get rewarded. He's honest. He's tough. He's fair. And, uh, you know, he's incredibly knowledgeable. You know, the knock on him's always been that, like, he can be too loyal. We had a guy here named Derek England who, you know, older veteran player who represented the team in so many ways on October 1st um, with the shooting and everything. But, you know, he might have been over the hill at this point, but Gallant still put him out there. So I think there was some criticism there. But overall, you know, I think what Gallant was able to do is unparalleled, I mean, with, with that team. I'm a huge fan of the hire. I've been a fan of, you know, pushing for him since the firing of Quinn. I mean, I wasn't the typical Ranger fan that's like in the streets yelling for Quinn's head. Like I, I thought that he probably was time for him to move on, but it wasn't like if they brought him back, I was going to be super upset about it, but I think they need a new voice. So I've been a fan of his. I covered him the world hockey championships with team Canada. He did an unbelievable job over there. And the brief conversations I had with him, he just seems like such a personable and he was so proud of that Canadian team. When I talked to him and you just see in his eyes, the way he talked about players, like he truly was so invested in these guys after only a couple of weeks. And that really spoke to me about how he could be uh, for an actual season, you know, for these guys and how, you know, like you said, maybe he is loyal to a T with some players, but just like, just like the glimmer of his face, whenever you talk about certain players, you can see like he took so much pride in these guys playing so well. He is like, he became like Las Vegas Golden Knights dad. He's like the dad that everyone loves and, you know, you appreciate. And when you talk about a player's coach, you think about first with Vegas, like why was he perfect for Vegas? Because you've got 23 guys who were all told, we don't want you, right? So those types of players in a fragile state, they need somebody to pump them up and make them feel good about themselves. And he was able to do that. I think in New York, you're going to face a lot of the similar things, right? Where some people may call it an underachieving team, even though it's been a very, very quick rebuild. I think that he's going to instill the confidence in those guys and have that honest relationship with them. Like if you work hard and you play hard, you're going to get the minutes. You're going to get the time. He does favor veterans to some degree, but it's not like Lafreniere, you know, or Kako is going to get ignored. Like they're going to actually be, they're going to be freed up. Okay. So I would, if I was doing fantasy, having Gallant on the Rangers now, I would, I would increase their stock value across the board offensively because he's going to create a much more up-tempo style. You know, one of the things that uh, Gallant is somewhat notorious for is he doesn't look for the safest pass on the breakout. That's not what he's looking for. He looks for the quickest right? Vegas was like, one of the reasons that sort of they changed the game to a certain degree was their counter was so fast. I mean, when Nate Schmidt got the puck on his stick, it was less than a second. It was back up the ice. Now that can be sloppy, can lead to some turnovers, but boy, does it create a lot of odd man rushes, right? So you're going to expect a fun brand of hockey. And I think a a brand of hockey that'll get the Rangers into the playoffs next year. I think that's what the Ranger team needs. I think this year there was, there was some stale hockey there. Their offense was very stagnant. When you look at Panarin, Zibanejad, 
like you said, Kako. I mean, there's so much offensive firepower on this team. I think they just need to let loose. And I, I saw Yagamir Yager had a quote um, talking about his time with him in uh, Florida. And he's like, the stars are going to love him on the Rangers. He lets them play their game. He's not going to get on their case. He's going to let them make a mistake or two. And we've had a couple of players who have played for him with Columbus. And they said that was the biggest thing is that they weren't afraid to make a mistake under him, that he wasn't a guy like Tortorella that'll just put you into, you know, the end of the bench and say, like, thanks for playing today. Like, and, we'll and see the you best later. Part of that, the best part of that is this. He will always have the players back, and they appreciate that. So yeah. let's say Theodore made a couple bonehead mistakes, right, in a game. In the postgame, Gallant's not going to throw him under the bus, ever. He's going to say, I love Theodore's aggressiveness. You know, I love how he plays. He's a great player. He's an important part of this team. You know, sometimes things don't work out right, but I want him to keep playing how he's playing. You know, and that, 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 that benefits, especially young guys that you're going to have on the Rangers, where they feel like, you know what? This coach has my back. He's allowing me. He's not making me play under fear, like a Tortorella, as you said, where, oh, my God, if I make a mistake, I'm never going to get any playing time. That's not how it's going to work there with Milan. So as an outside, you know, outside looker and, you know, hockey fan, how do you feel about this Rangers team? Is it a team that you're definitely like, they're definitely coming along, or is it a team that you're like, yeah, they got some young players, but I'm not too scared of them? Oh, no, I think they're definitely in the upswing. I think any team that can accumulate that many, like, number one, number two picks to an already, like, roster that you've added Panarin to, and now you have a goalie who looks like the goalie of the future and a defenseman sort of steal and Adam Fox, right, offensively, you know, I guess what I would look at in terms of the Rangers, uh, you know, to get to that next level is obviously further development from Kako. Like, he really needs to step it up now mm-hmm. coming into his third year. Uh, Lafreniere, you know, he's on track. I, I, everyone looks at, oh, he said, how come he's not scoring a goal a game? It's like, guy's 19, barely, right? He still had 12 class. goals. He still had an OKC. Like, at the end of the year, he yes. started coming on more. It's, sure, exactly. Yeah, and it's like, you know, he started during a COVID season, didn't have a full training camp, kind of got tossed into it. And some of the Rangers that I've talked to, they're like, listen, the kid's 19 years old or 18 years old, whatever he is, like, give him a break. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, he's going to get there. I think ultimately the Rangers are on the right trajectory, right? You know, they spent their time, and I thought the organization did a classy thing, letting the fans know, you know, hey, guys, like. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's chief medical officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetfredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. We're going to rebuild here, you know, not pretend, you know, and they said, this is what we're doing. And now they're seeing the benefits of it. And I think like once they add some, you know, once they're able to have some more depth, both on defense, 
and maybe in the bottom six to a certain degree, there's some, you know, there's some, there's some room for improvement there. Um, I think they're on the upswing, whether this is the year coming up that they're going to be like a Stanley cup favorite. I don't think so, but you know, I think this is going to be an exciting team to watch for the next two, three years. I think that the expectation, I don't think it'll be Stanley cup per se, but I think definitely a playoff berth next year is something they need to look to achieve. I think is, is probably the next level of the rebuild as they go here. I think Panarin was the first step getting into the bubble, getting to the qualifying round. I think this year was weird because of COVID. Like, I think this was a year that some Ranger fans expect them to make the playoffs. But like you said, they were in the division of death. I mean, we had four, four teams that could easily win the Stanley Cup this year. Uh, and uh, even, you know, the Flyers were another team that was so good too um, that we played against. So going back to Gallant, the one thing that Ranger fans keep on asking, and, you know, I, I've been DM'd it about four times because I keep on saying it's a great hire. Why did Vegas let him go? Is there more to just a losing streak or... I think you said he defended the players. Like did, did the locker room turn on him at all? Or is there just, just between him and ownership, Jay just didn't see that eye? Yeah, so I, I'll tell you, I mean, again, obviously we're, we're, we're guessing to a certain degree because we weren't in the room. But this is what it looks like to me from everything that I've gathered over the years. So this has been a hot topic, hot topic in this case. About three weeks before he was fired, there was talk of an extension because his contract was going to be up at the end of the year. So Galat went into the office expecting that to be the discussion. It also coincided with a four-game losing streak. It was on an East Coast trip. This sort of stuff happens. It's the first four-game losing streak we ever had. And it, for the fan base, we were really, really disappointed to hear that, you know, they didn't give this guy a shot to at least play out the year and take this team to the Stanley Cup Finals. Having said that, Bill Foley is a win-now kind of guy. You know, he said he wants to build a team that wins in three, uh, or sorry, makes the playoffs in three and win in six, right? Ultimately, I think that the issue was between McPhee and Gallant, from a perspective of analytics and how he felt like the analytics team wasn't being utilized enough by Gallant. And there was a couple players that were brought in. The first one was uh, Vadim Shipashov, which was a high free agent signing brought in from Russia. And Gallant just didn't think he was good enough to play on the team, so he wasn't giving him the minutes. We, took, we traded for Thomas Tatar. Thomas Tatar, you know, just didn't really fit in or he didn't, he didn't put a lot of trust in him at that point. But you see, so you look at that and you think, okay, you're the Vegas Golden Knights and you have faith in your guys. They bring in a new guy. You know, you show a lot of faith in saying, okay, well, he's not better than you guys yet. So mm-hmm. we might use him, but we won't. So I think ultimately the discrepancy was Gallant wanted to shape the roster with players that he thought made the most sense. And that was at odds with what George McPhee thought was going to be worthwhile in terms of what he was bringing in. So there was just probably like a rift there. Um, but then it was really shocking to see them, you know, shortly after that bring on like, the most hated coach in Vegas history. I was going to say. San Jose Sharks. It was like, <laughs> it was like a crazy bad April Fool's joke. I was like, are you kidding me? You're bringing the guy we're supposed to hate. And Gallant called a clown in the playoffs previously. Like, and now he, we're supposed to go, all right. I don't know about that. I was going to say, that was my next question. I was going to say his, you know, replacement was a guy that knocked you out of the playoffs the year before. You know, I guess how, how was the mood in the town after that? Was there, Obviously, people weren't very happy. It seemed like when I look back at some of the articles about Gallant leaving, um, are you happy now? Obviously, the team has turned it around. They're back in the you know, semifinals, and it looks like they're on the way to maybe another Stanley Cup finals berth. Well, listen, people were pissed, and many people still are. I'm one of them, right? I, don't, I really don't even care. If DeBoer ends up being the greatest coach of all time, right, he could go on and win 15 cups in a row. It won't ever change for me the fact that you took a guy, Gallant, who took a bunch of ragtag players to the finals, made the playoffs, and you didn't let him finish out the damn season because he lost four games in a row, that's cutthroat. 
And that's just, that's a problem. DeBoer, on the other hand, listen, he's got an uphill climb with the fan base because of sort of like his arrogant, demeaning way that he talked about, you know, San Jose win. Like, I think that's not lost on a lot of players. And having said that, listen, coaching's important, right? But if I coached a me, random dude, coaches Vegas Golden Knights team, they'd probably still be in the conference final. <laughs> it's a really, really good team. They are a really right? good team. They are a really yeah. good team. So having said that, DeBoer fits the mold. He is an analytics-driven guy. And I do think, this is, I'll give him some, I do think he's done a really good job with the adjustments, especially against Colorado in the previous serial in Minnesota. I think he's done a really good job um, matching lines and things like that. The, the few things that coaches can prepare for, you know, he's done a really good job of. So listen, I don't think he's a bad coach, but I am never going to look back and go, even if we win the cup, oh yeah, that was a great decision because I think that was Gallant's team and it was, should have been his opportunity to do that. I'm not going to lie to you. Last series, I did not pick Vegas to go on. I had Colorado winning. I think a lot of people did, especially after game one. And DeBoer sits flurry for game one. They get lit up. You know, Lerner gets lit up. As a fan, were you sitting there wondering, like, what the heck is he doing? No. absolutely. Actually, that's one of the decisions I absolutely supported. Oh, really? You look at the bigger picture, right? Vegas just played an emotional series, a game seven, right? Now, less than 48 hours later, we go to the altitude up in Colorado, exhausted, tired, playing a team that's been waiting for a week, chomping at the bit to get in there and play some hockey, right? We were just dead. We had no chance to win that first game, right? You, throw, you could have put Flurry and Laner in the net together, and they would have got just destroyed. Laner did let in two bad goals, partly because he hadn't played in three weeks, yeah. right? So... They were, that was just, they were just lambs to the slaughter. I thought people were making a huge mistake by looking at game one and going, oh, Colorado's so much better based on that game when it wasn't even a fair fight, really. You know what I mean? It is what it is, right? Vegas should have mm-hmm. the series. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not whining about that. I'm just saying, like, that was a mismatch in game one. But then you saw in game two, even though Vegas lost, they were the better team in second, third period significantly. Oh, and yeah. You, out, saw, you saw the whole series change that third period, I felt like. Even though Colorado won. Even though yeah. Colorado won, it was almost like, oh, wow, Vegas, Vegas can stay with this team. Yeah, and then, and then from there on out, like, yeah. the idea, like starting Laner, and I think I, Laner is a classy dude. I, we're so lucky to have two goalies that are beloved in the city because, like, he sat in there and took all seven goals. He took the heat. You know what I mean? He, he, even though in, you know, other circumstances, you might think, all right, give this guy a break. He did what he had to do for the team. He took one for the team. And goaltending is not the issue with this team, that's for sure. Right. No, you yeah. put Laner in, you put Flurry in. That I, I don't believe that's gonna be the difference in whether they win the cup. Like I think they should have put Laner in more games against Minnesota. I genuinely do, so that he could stay fresh and keep the rotation that worked all season long. And that's not to take anything away from Flurry. He's been Vezina worthy. But if you look at Laner's numbers, he's been right there with him. You know, he's got a yeah. 920 played in the Islanders, it was it's outstanding for Chicago, outstanding Buffalo. Who's was bad? He still performed at about a nine twenty in Buffalo. So I know. You know he's a proven winner. So I don't think I think DeBoer made a really smart calculation there in Game One and said, "All right, you know, let's give Flurry a rest here because we're going to have a couple days after this, and you know, we can restart ourselves for Game Two. So Vegas in general as a hockey town. I mean, I thought that it was going to be you know it's a Vegas strip. It's going to be a lot of people who are going to be coming from out of town, and it's going to be more of a tourist thing." But it seems like, and I know for a fact, because I have uh, an uncle my lives there, the locals are just all over it. I mean, like, it is like night central. Are you surprised at all at the response that the Vegas community has given to this team and the support behind it? And home games are nuts. 
I'm not surprised, and I'll tell you why. First and foremost, Vegas is a sports town, and it has been for a long time. When the Super Bowl is happening, where do people go? Vegas. Yeah, Vegas. March Madness, people come to Vegas. It's always been a sports town dying to have a professional sports team that we never had because of the sort of gambling thing or whatever, right? So the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights were the first to market, I thought bode well for them. If the NBA was already here and NFL, and then you bring the hockey in, they might have suffered with attendance because people already have an interest. Now, you couple that with the unfortunate events of uh, October 1st, I believe, where there was 58 people killed, you know, mm-hmm. in Mandalay Bay. In this city, we needed something to root for. And they did such a great job on that opening night. You know, every player walked in with a first responder, you know, on the scene. And Derek England loved, you know, delivered a, up in a passionate speed. And we won the game, you know. This team of ragtags is not supposed to win any games, you know. I think really early on, that helped people become attached. And I can tell you, Honestly, during exhibition games, I'm surrounded by people who don't know what the hell's going on. They're like, why? Hey, why did they stop playing? I'm like, that's called icing. You're not allowed to do that. So I had to explain it to them. But now it is a hockey town. Everywhere you go, you see Golden Knights logos. And, uh, you know, they're, the people in the city are in love with this team. So you've been to a couple of games, obviously, already this postseason. After COVID, how awesome was it to finally get back into an arena and watch this team? That was, the, that was the crazy thing. Because, you know, we first went to games and everybody's wearing masks, or for the most part, people were wearing masks. And then when they all came off and the building's full with 18,000 players of fans, like, the, it was the loudest building I've ever been in. And I don't know if that's because it had been a while or if it was just really that loud and people were just letting out, you know, their, their joy and emotion. Um, I think it was the latter. I think it really was that loud. And it was really awesome to see. You know, it was like, wow, okay. It, it really felt like the moment where, and listen, I know in many parts of the world, People are still struggling with this pandemic. But here in Vegas, for all intents and purposes, the pandemic is over mm-hmm. here. You know, yeah. we, we, are, we are back to normal. I mean, you still see some employees wearing masks, you know, and whatnot. But, like, people here are just resuming life as it, as it was before the pandemic hit. Yeah, on the East Coast, that's starting to happen more and more now. I, I, think more, I think New York is now fully unrestricted now. I think Yankee Stadium's going full capacity this weekend for Father's Day. So... Slowly but surely, we're getting back. But I tell you what, that, that first round of the NHL playoffs, I think it was Florida was the first game. And you saw the packed crowd of Florida. Then Vegas was the night game, and it was packed there. And it was almost like the sports world returned almost with those fans. Because, yeah, it's the sports world. Florida, though, but it's funny with Florida, though, because they, I think they had more fans during COVID than they normally do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I think COVID was good for the Panthers. Yeah. Um, so where are your, uh, so where you're not looking ahead now, the Vegas cup chances, you think that they're the favorites now to win it, or do you think Tampa is still the favorite? Well, here's the way that like the odds should work. And you think about it, right? Who's the best team left? I think you can make a strong argument for Tampa or Vegas, right? Who's the favorite to win the cup right now. That's going to be Vegas. And the reason for that is they have a much easier matchup against Montreal mm-hmm. than, you know, Tampa does against the Islanders. Right. So even if, you know, they were equal, Tampa and Vegas, in terms of, like, strength or, or chances. The fact that Vegas is way more likely to actually be in the finals where Tampa Bay has to not only beat the Islanders but then beat Vegas, I think makes Vegas the favorite. Vegas does have home ice throughout as well, so that's going to bode well. I think what we'll see is if, if it's Vegas-Tampa, the marquee matchup I think everyone wants to see, I think you're going to see a line of, like, Vegas minus 115, maybe minus 120. You know, if it's the Islanders, maybe 155, 160, and that – or. Well, probably mm-hmm. 150, 155. Um, but it's going to be close to a pick em. either way if Vegas makes it. But again, they are significant favorites now because I think 
that as well as Montreal played that first 10 minutes in game one, I don't think they have enough, you know, they just don't, they're just not good enough. I think to, to hang with Vegas uh, for much longer. Now, being a gambler, do you, ban- do you gamble on sports as well or just poker? I've gambled on golf. I've gambled on hockey throughout my life. And like but the thing about NHL betting, cause I took it very, very seriously for a long time is it's like a full-time job and I do love that job and it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work, you know, early mornings. And like, if you're doing it right, you're not just going, ah, I don't know, man, I feel the Rangers tonight. No, you got to look deeper into the analytics and, you know, work with a model and all that kind of stuff. So it started to feel like uh, work. So I haven't been betting this series. I'm just kind of like, you know, rooting for Vegas to, uh, to go all the way. Tell me you had a ticket on them in uh, 18 when they made the runs to the cup. They had a Western Conference finals ticket. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. I did not have it. Oh, <laughs> no. Who took the, you know, the long odds. I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't think Vegas was going to be very good because I thought the mentality was going to be this. All right. You know, it's cute. We got a new team, but we're going to get rid of all these assets in the first year and bring in, you know, draft picks and, you know, rebuild and build mm-hmm. something. But like the problem was for McPhee was we kept on winning. <laughs> you know, It's like, how do you rebuild when a team is like eight, one and one? How do you scrap that? Right. Yeah, it's tough. Right. You figure you wait until they hit the long with the inevitable losing streak when they go on the East Coast and lose like six, seven in a row or something like that. It just never happened. So, yeah, I mean, I was I was very surprised to see them uh, be as good as they were. And I, I expected I expected to go to Vegas games in year one and go, you know, they lost seven to two, but they score the second goal and go, oh, good job, boys. Way to go. Here's a candy, you know, just be excited about anything. But instead, we were like somewhat gifted a contender right off the bat. And I know a lot of people are bitter about that, but listen, they played by the rules. They built a, a roster that uh, competed and they had the, the right coach to take them almost all the way. You got a favorite guy on the team right now? Well, I'm friendly with a couple of the guys. I think, you know, watching Alex Tuck on the third line mm-hmm. is a lot of fun, especially that he's really, you know, sort of developing and he's really playing more aggressive, using the body more. But one guy I like to talk to, I think he's just great. Again, he's a newer addition is Robin Lehner. You know, yeah. he's one of those guys that I think hockey players appreciate because most of them are pretty close to the vets, right? Robin Lehner says exactly what's on his mind. He tells, he tells it exactly as he sees it, right or wrong, right? So I think a lot, a lot of people appreciate that. But 
yeah, there's a lot of guys on the team that are certainly fun to watch. Offensively, I think Alex Tuck has a Alex Tuck has a rare blend of talents, right? Like, and now it's important that people don't make think I'm comparing him to Connor McDavid because Connor McDavid's you know ridiculous. But the mold of a Connor McDavid or a Blake Wheeler share a couple common traits. They're big, they're fast, they're skilled, and they can make plays at high speed, right? Tuck is in that mold. I'm not saying he's Blake Wheeler or Connor McDavid, but he's a unique, uh, a, a unique blend of talent in, in that regard. So I know you're a big golfer. How's the golf game going? What's the handicap at now? I have not been playing golf lately. I've been playing lots of poker now that, you know, sort of the, the, the pandemic's been over here. We've had the U.S. poker open and different things like that. But I plan on getting back, to, back out on the golf course maybe this week sometime. What, uh, what's the highest stakes golf game you ever played? I played uh, several matches where, you know, won or lost like $1.5 million. Oof. And one match. Yeah, like playing like $150,000 a hole, stuff like that. We had scramble matches every year. We're like three years in a row. I won, I won like 1.5 off these guys. We had this great scramble match. It was me and three buddies who were all like, they were all shorter than me. I'm 5'9", right? Small, tiny little guys. We got my golf caddy who's about a scratch, but he hits it maybe 280. And we're playing a scramble against three dudes. One is a scratch. They all hit it three freaking 50 or 380. So we had a T-spot. But we had four putts, and we were all good putters. So we ended up getting the money. And that was a lot of fun every year over at TPC Summerlin playing those matches. It's a nice payout. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. What, uh, I guess, same question. So obviously, we got to talk about poker. I got you on here. What's the biggest win you've ever had? I think the most I've won in, well, in a tournament in one day was $8.7 million. That was in the one drop at the World Series of Poker. I finished second. And it's funny because I won $8.7 million in that moment, but it felt like I lost $7 million. Because first prize was $15 or $16 million. Second was, you know, whatever it was, $8.7. So um, in that moment, I was just devastated. But later, I'm like, $8.7 million is nothing to, you know, nothing to sneeze at. That's funny. I was going to ask you that question. So, these, you know, obviously... You can't win every tournament, but you cash out, you know, millions of dollars in some of these tournaments and not win. How long does the like sting of the loss go away when you see that number go back in your bank account? Well, the sting of the loss for me, it's, I'm just such a competitive person, right? So what I do, and you know, my wife knows this and she understands because she knows poker. Like after I'm eliminated from a tournament or whatever happens that I don't win, my brain is not available. I'm not available for an emotional connection. I'm not available for a discussion about the bachelorette. I'm not available to talk about, you know, the latest celebrity news. My mind is racing about all the decisions I made, what mistakes I could have made, what areas I could have improved, whether other, was there things that I missed? Could I have done better? And I go through that little, whether it's a grieving process or a, just like a, a self-coaching process. But typically by the next day, when I've done that, you know, either I've like, I've, I've spotted the error that I made or I realize like, you know what? You did everything right, right? You did everything right and it just didn't work out for you and that's okay. And I'm usually good by the next day. Are you surprised? Obviously, you've been playing poker for quite a while now. Are you surprised at how much poker's blown up into the mainstream, you know, sports and media? I really, I, I should have been, but I really wasn't all that surprised. What's interesting is I think specifically in Canada, part of what helped the boom when it happened around 2003, 2004 was the NHL lockout. So a lot of people in Canada, you know, their TVs were replaced on Sportsnet or whatever with hockey to poker, you know, and we started to see it more on NBC and, and on Fox and stuff like that. And when it was in everybody's living rooms on a daily basis or a nightly basis, if you will, I think sort of they, people got familiar with the players and stuff like that. And I think also seeing celebrities 
cross over and playing, you know, playing some poker and stuff really helped. I mean, now if you want to watch poker, all that poker still exists, but it's now under an app called Poker Go. Okay. So like if you want to watch, you know, the poker after darks, the high stakes poker and all these kind of shows, they're still happening. They're not happening on NBC and ABC. They're happening on Poker Go, which I believe is about like 10 bucks a month or something. Okay. Like but so if you're a serious poker player, if you're a serious poker player, you have to have a Poker Go subscription. There's just like no way around it. Who's the most famous celebrity you've won off of? Well, I've played with several, but I would say the one biggest, when I say one, I mean, I won a big pot against him. And he's a very good player. He actually makes a ton of money playing poker and that's Toby Maguire. Okay. Yeah. So he's like yeah. the most, I feel like he's like the most famous celebrity. That's like a big time poker player. Yeah. I beat him in a hand for those that know a little bit about poker. I'll tell you what the board was. The board was ace three, four, six. Okay. He had, he had pocket aces. And we each put in about $250,000 after the turn. Like it was about 600,000 in the pot. And of course I had one of my goofy little five, seven hands for the I was going to say you had a five on. <laughs> I had the five, seven and you know, he, he needed the board to pair. It did not. So I beat him and he was pretty pissed actually about that because he's a competitive guy as well. But I mean, he's doing just fine. So am I now counting you into the Rangers bandwagon now? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Listen, I'm not going to be rooting for the Rangers when they play Vegas or Likely, you know, maybe not against Leafs, but I'm rooting for, I want to see, I'm, I'm rooting for Gerard Gallant. Like, this is what people in the city didn't understand. Like, because I was very vocally against what happened here with, you know, with this move and some of the trades they made and some of the, you know, things they've done along the way. When, you, when I fall in love with the team, I fall in love with the players and this coach, right? And I absolutely fell in love with Gerard Gallant. So I want him to succeed. The fact that he's playing in, that he's coaching in New York means by extension, I want to see the Rangers make the playoffs. Uh, I want to see him, whatever, whatever measure of success is, I want to see Gallant have that in New York. And I believe that he will. And I genuinely believe that you New Yorkers, because I understand a little bit about what New Yorkers are like, you're going to love a tough, hard-nosed, fair, you know, guy who's got an old school angle, but he's not afraid to embrace the analytics and stuff like that, but he's going to get that team working hard. There's going to be no BS, right? It's just going to be like, uh, you know, he's going to be, I think he's going to be considered a lovable guy. I'll be very surprised if Rangers fans don't look at Galan and go, this is our guy. I love that. I'm pumped. I'm pumped for it. Yeah. Next year when Vegas comes back to New York, we'll go to the garden together. In. Totally. Yeah. Done. Done. I'll be careful not to wear my Vegas jersey because I don't know about uh, you. Work with whether I'll you can, it's not Philly. You can wear a jersey. You're okay there. <laughs> okay. All right, Daniel. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, it was a blast. Always good to talk some hockey. Yeah, good luck. And uh, I'm actually, I'm rooting for Vegas to go on the rest of the way. I, I think that they're a great story and uh, obviously not rooting for the Islanders to go anywhere. And um, not the biggest Tampa fan. They keep on stealing all our players. Well, I mean, Tampa's just what, like 20 million over the cap? Yeah, because 20 million over the cap. Yeah. was like hurt all year and now he's not hurt all of a sudden. Hmm. You know what people aren't talking about is the Islanders are 7 million over the cap. So, yeah. you know, Ranger fans will say that. Not yes. too many other fans will say that. <laughs> But thanks so much for joining us and uh, have a great day. All right, man. Have a good one. Thank you again to our guest, Daniel Negrano, for joining us. What an awesome conversation. I know it's different than our usual conversation, but man, guy loves hockey. He's uh, just an unbelievable you know, player in his own sport. You can call poker a sport, I think, because it's on ESPN constantly. And it's crazy to see the growth of that sport. And he's a huge reason behind it. Guys like him with his personality. And he's, it's crazy to, to meet and talk to such a guy who's so popular in a sport. I mean, he is 
world-renowned, and he's so down-to-earth, huge hockey fan. So I can't, you know, wish him all the best in the Vegas Golden Knights. I know uh, we, when we were talking that day, he was going to the game that night. Uh, when this comes out, I think it'll be game five. Uh, the series is tied at 2-2 right now. So I'm pulling for Vegas. I really like that team. Um, I know they got some injuries right now, and who knows what they can do with goaltending with Lerner just had the big game, and but Flurry's been unbelievable all year, and you know, Vez the finalist. So Vegas is definitely an interesting team to follow, but you know, we can't thank Daniel enough for taking the time to, to talk with us and you know wish him all the best. And I know uh, he was talking about Vegas is finally reopening with COVID, so you know it's great to see. Um, so wish him and the and the Knights all the best, and I'll be following them and rooting for them. And again, thank you to our sponsors or our Magic Hockey. I mean, what a crew over there. Unbelievable. I got my uh, Magic Hockey dad hat for the for Father's Day, and I was rocking it all weekend. I love it. They have such good products. So make sure you go check them out on Instagram at Magic Hockey. And make sure you go check out the website at MagicHockey.com for all your hockey needs. Our man, Eddie Olchek, said it best last week, the lightest twig on the market. So... And what unbelievable marketing they got. Eddie Olchek and Sean Avery, just two unbelievable guys. Obviously, some polar opposites there. Avery is crazy, but Eddie Olchek can tell stories all day long, obviously, and is the, the lead analyst uh, for NH, for the NHL. So two unbelievable guys to have as spokespeople for your company. Can't thank them enough. Uh, really, uh, such a super sponsor. So thanks again to Magic Hockey. Make sure you go check them out. And that does it for episode 28 of the Broadway Hat Podcast. Make sure you go check us out on social media. We are on Instagram at the Broadway Hat Podcast, as well as Facebook at the Broadway Hat Podcast. Make sure you go on Twitter and check us out at, at Broadway Hat Pod. You can also check out my personal Twitter at KHallNY. Make sure you check us out on all Google products, Amazon products, Pandora, Spreaker. Make sure you go check us out on BellyUpSports.com. We had a couple new articles come out last week including a look back at the 1994 team. It was parade day this last week. It was also the 27th anniversary of the Stanley Cup. So put out a cool article about that. We linked some of our old episodes with some of the 94 championship uh, guys we've had on the uh, show. So very cool. Go check that out. And I hope everyone had a great Father's Day. And a special shout out to my dad who just celebrated his 59th birthday, Father's Day weekend. So it was a great week to be back on Long Island. So wish him a happy birthday. And I hope all the dads out there I had a great day, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.